Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank and I'm the host of the show and happy you can join and listen. If you've listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on sports. The show is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcast apps so you can receive new episodes direct to your device when they become available. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. You can also always get the show from our website, www.letmebendyourear.com. All right, so on episode 20, I'd like to welcome Chad Casey. He actually started this podcast. He was my inaugural guest on the first episode of the podcast, so we're bringing him back. Uh, I wanted him to come back on for the end of football season. Uh, There's always been a connection between quarterbacks Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, uh, both being drafted in 2015. And it's unique to Chad and myself because me, I am a Bucks super fan and Chad is actually a Titan super fan. So I think it's a good mix. I think we both can talk about these quarterbacks with a lot of knowledge. I think I know for sure I've seen pretty much every snap Winston has taken. I'm sure you've seen every snap Mariota has taken for the most part. Five or six, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to get into that. So I wanted to start basically discussing the 2015 draft. So I know leading up to that draft, and I remember this, obviously, the Bucks were coming off a horrific season, which earned them the number one pick. And then obviously the Titans had the number two pick that year. Uh, so there was a debate, you know, all that you get every year with quarterbacks that come out uh, on the two top quarterbacks. The consensus was it was Winston and Mariota. And then People had their opinions on which quarterback would be better. Uh, I think the consensus at the time was, and uh, you can let me know if you disagree, was that Winston had maybe the higher ceiling, but that Mariota was more prepared to play from day one. That's the way I remember it. Is that how you recall the the evaluation of both those quarterbacks? I kind of thought it was the opposite because Mariota coming from the spread offense and up to that point, no spread quarterback had done squat in the NFL. That what I thought was the argument for Winston was that he came from that pro-style offense in Florida State. Um, He was thicker, so he was a little bit more ready to go right away where Marietta would take more time to develop. So um, I don't know. I've been hitting the head a lot with my football life, and I, I don't know. No, that's a good point. I think I think the way I looked at it from my perspective when they were evaluating both these quarterbacks, because I was really undecided, obviously, Winston getting a lot of the press in Florida, being a Florida State quarterback, I always was under the impression that that Mariota was more prepared in the sense that he, yeah, exactly, he led that spread offense, which wasn't used in the NFL, but I think he was evaluated at the time as a quarterback that was even very smart, very heady, because even coming in, Winston, one of his biggest, well, the two biggest issues he had, one were the off-the-field issues, but the second thing football wise was his propensity for turnovers. Yeah. So I think I think that's where they were kind of focusing when it was um, uh, looked when the evaluation initially was that Mariota was perceived as someone that takes better care of the football. Yeah. And is more yeah. effective that way. Yeah. So I think that was really the biggest issue uh, in comparison. But I think you're right. That's a good point. I think uh Winston was in the pro style offense. But I do remember I don't think it wasn't really a consensus. Even as a Buck fan, I was like. 
my thought at the time was if they took either one of them, I think they'd be in good shape. That's the way I looked at it. Uh, like I said, I, I think I thought Winston had a potential to be better, but I, yeah, but I think that Mariota was, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a toss up to me. Um, now obviously the off the field issues were, uh, a huge red flag for any team and including the Bucks. I know they did a, a extensive background check before the draft. They, you know, talked to hundreds and hundreds of people to try to gauge if this was just immaturity or something that they would have to be concerned about. And we'll get into that obviously later as we discuss uh, as they go. So obviously the draft takes place. Winston goes first and Mariota goes second. And then ironically, it's almost like the NFL. I, you almost think that they almost set this stuff up, but uh, it's crazy. Of course, week one of season one, it's Buccaneers versus Titans, which is fantastic. So you, they, they just have a magical way of making stories happen or storylines that people would be interested in. So I think that game normally nobody would have cared about. But I think a lot more people probably watched that game than normally would have because it was the two, two, two quarterbacks playing each other right off the bat. And, uh, of course, that game was horrific for uh, for Winston and pretty good for Mariota. Obviously, they blew out the Buccaneers in that game, and Mariota looked really good doing it. Uh, so, obviously, of course, fans being as they are in Tampa, of course, after one game, everybody's like, oh, we made a mistake <laughs> after game one. So. Um, what were your thoughts on that first game when he came out of the shoot looking really good, actually? Because I remember that game, and he did play well. I was pretty thrilled. Uh, <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to finally see my team win a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, it was – that was everything you had hoped for because he showed he could run a pro offense, and it was – they sprinkled enough of what he knew from college where it was just a perfect blend. He looked comfortable and phenomenal and – so even keeled, I thought, my God, they got so lucky that Tampa took Winston first because that's what I was hoping as a fan. And it was not because of the talent. It was the off-the-field issues. It's That just drove me nuts myself, especially, you know, having younger kids. Mm -hmm. So it's I was thrilled, and then it just so quickly went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we'll get into that for both of them, actually. That's why it's, it's kind of weird. I think this both of these quarterbacks are different personalities like Jameis Winston is an outgoing kind of alpha where Marriott I think is a more reticent, quiet leader. Yep. So their personalities are completely different. Let me ask you this. If Jameis Winston had no off field issues at all at Florida state, and he just was, is the quarterback. Would you still have wanted Mariota? Mm, you take away with the off the field issues. I would have loved either of them that in that case, whoever fell, it would have kind of been like, Goff and Wentz that next year, I would have been thrilled with either of them. And and I know it's it's off topic. Let me and I'm glad you brought up Goff and Wentz because I one of the things that I've noticed after you know watching both of their careers now up until this point, I think it it's almost like a turning point because I think after that draft, if you notice the quarterbacks that have come since Winston and Mariota have really done well pretty quickly. The only quarterback that I can think of. In the last few years, two actually that haven't been good was Paxton Lynch and Christian Hackenberg. Other than that, they've all pretty much, on varying degrees, have been successful. Yeah. And I think part of that is the 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 integration of college offenses into the NFL after Mariota and after Winston were drafted. I think these 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 teams run RPOs and they run different types of offenses that are directly from college. So I think these quarterbacks that are being drafted are quickly adapting 
Whereas Winston and Mariota, I think were kind of behind the eight ball because it was kind of the old way of doing it. You know, you did a college offense. Now you're doing a pro style offense, which is faster. Everything is faster. Everybody is faster. So I think their learning curve was a lot steeper than the quarterbacks that are coming out now. Yeah, I agree. I think the teams now are getting the guys who fit what they want to do swell. I mean, look at this last year when they announced Baker Mayfield as the number one pick. I'm sure I was one of just about everybody else was like, are you serious? Oh, I'm with you. I'm but how with you. perfect was that guy for that system? They're finally putting the right guy with the system that they're going to implement, like you said, instead of, okay, here's this great guy who's athletic, he can run, he can throw, and we're going to hand off the ball 90% of the time. It's Yeah, it drives me nuts. And I, I, There's so many great quarterbacks who've come out who've just gone to the wrong team in the wrong situation. Right, exactly. So let's go into the rookie season a little bit deeper. So let's start with Mariota. What – what happened that season? Obviously, he played great that first game. As the season progressed, what did you notice good and bad about his play? What was bad was Ken Wesenhunt was running an offense. It would have been perfect in Mariota's third or fourth year um, because he just left him with minimal protection. And the offensive line was still you know, middle of the road at best. So he just kept getting pummeled and pummeled into the point where I think Wesenhunt was gone after five games. He was just not adapting to the situations and Mariota was getting killed. A um, couple of knee injuries, the sprains, and the owner pulled the plug on Wisenhunt quick. And I think rightfully so, because the guy was going to die. I mean, his football career wasn't going to make it three years under Wisenhunt, which I don't understand. I loved the hire at first. I thought he was the perfect guy for that situation. I thought, oh, my God, we're going to be good for a while. Whew. Whoops. Yeah, it, it's crazy, too. And when you say that, it's it's – it is almost eerie how identical their their surrounding situations have been, not maybe so much their play like with Winston. So for Jameis Winston, uh, after that first game, uh, that terrible game versus the Titans, he started to play well. And this was Lovey Smith's last year with the team. And I like the Lovey Smith hire when they hired him as well. Came from Tony Dungy's staff, took Chicago Bears to a Super Bowl. I thought he was a really good coach. Uh, I was very happy with the hire. But And then they got to – the 12 game mark and they were six and six. So they were 500, um, you know, with a rookie quarterback, he was playing pretty well. The interceptions were still a little high, but he was making big plays and it looked like the future was looking pretty good. And then they lose the last four badly and look bad doing it. And then they ended up six and 10 that year. And then lovey ends up getting fired. Uh, so the rookie season, while the season didn't go well, I was actually excited at how Winston played, um, I mean, he ended up throwing for over 4,000 or excuse me, he threw for yeah, over 4,000 yards, 22 touchdowns, uh, 15 interceptions, which is too many. Um, but I thought other than the interceptions, he played really, really well. And I thought, you know, with the coaching change and with the elevation of Dirk Cutter, that things would get better. And of course, they did not. So going into yeah, so going into season two, um, Things I know looked a lot better for the Titans. Um, the coach that came in, who was the coach after Wisenhunt? Mike Malarkey. He's the one who took Thank the you. season and then right. continued on. So he was an interim, and then they gave him the full-time job. So yeah. so let's talk about season two for Mariota. How how did it change? What got better? What still was an you know issues with him in that second season? The second season started out really well because that's the year they picked up DeMarco Murray when everybody thought he was done, and he came in and had a monster year. We got kind of beat up at the end. That year, the offensive line was phenomenal. Um, in Mariota, he was still missed a couple of games, got banged around again a little bit, but he was starting to turn the corner. Um, I, 
I can't remember who the starting receivers even were on the team that year. That was kind of that forgettable. Um, and that's what I think had been his Achilles heel is he's, he doesn't have a lot of help on the perimeter. Everybody, everything's run through Delaney Walker and it's NFL teams can figure out pretty quick how to stop him, but he was getting markedly better and they went nine and seven, barely missed the playoffs. It was looking like the team was really starting to turn a corner, which was kind of surprised because Mike Malarkey hadn't had a whole lot of success as a head coach. Um, that whole exotic smash mouth thing, there was a lot of play on that and, I just don't think they utilized it well. They could have play-actioned it so much more because they were such a dominant run team. I think they were second or third in the league that year in rushing, but they just never had the outside threat to burn people deep where you had to keep the safeties back. Right, and yeah, and I know that, yeah, and I remember that season too, that they almost made the playoffs as well. And then the second season for James, also great as well. They, coming off the 6-10 and 10 season, uh, they – Played well that season. The offense under Dirk Cutter was pretty dynamic. You had uh, Mike Evans, who's I think one of the best receivers in the league that nobody hears about because he plays for Tampa Bay. Um, so he had uh, Doug Martin with his best season ever in a contract year. Um, I think he ran. I think he was the second leading rusher behind Adrian Peterson that year. Uh, so the running game was fantastic, which helped the play action and it was a it was a well balanced offense. They were successfully able to run the ball. There were a couple of games which I think portended things to come when it comes to Dirk Carter's coaching ability where they had a couple of close games against some teams that they probably should have beaten. Uh, so they ended up nine and seven um, missing the playoffs as well. So kind of the same situation as the Titans. Uh, one more win, they would have been in. Uh, I think they were in it till the last week of the season and were eliminated because of tiebreakers. Uh, so that's never where you want to be. Uh, not controlling your own destiny, but it was their own fault. They they lost uh, they lost a game to Dallas that they should have won. Um, there was just some games that they let slip away that they could have easily made the playoffs. So again, um, you know, Winston um, had 28 touchdowns up from 19, or, or excuse me, up from 22, and then his interceptions though went up. So he had 15 his first season, 18 his second. So again, uh, a very uh, not good sign. But they missed the playoffs, and of course, everybody was super super hyped about the following season. And then I'll get to that after you talk about the next season for Mariota, because of course that next season, the Buccaneers uh, ended up on hard knocks, but um, which is the curse of every team that ends up on hard knocks. But anyway, um, so nine and seven Titans just missed a playoff. So going into 2017, um, how did that season go with Mariota and what was good? What was not so good? Uh, there was a lot of trepidation going into it because the end of the previous year, Mariota broke his leg against Jacksonville. Um, fractured his femur and missed the last game of the season. Um, so he was coming off, a, you know, he was in a boot for a really long time, couldn't put weight on it all the way through OTAs and everything. He actually didn't start playing football again until camp started. So he was a little behind. They had drafted Corey Davis with the fifth pick in the draft, but he had an off season, you know, he had hamstring injuries um, and an ankle injury. So he didn't even work out at the NFL combine. Um, so he had a lot of young talent, but no time to work with and develop them and nothing changed in the offense in year two. So they, they really started to struggle. It got to the point where, you know, Titans aren't on TV a whole lot and I don't have the NFL ticket, but when they would be on TV, we would, it was almost a drinking game, but I was doing it with the boys. So no alcohol involved. But we, we would have like a, a Coke or something. And if we would guess the play coming in before the snap and 
they were so painfully predictable that it got to the point where it wasn't just, you know, dive up the middle. It was right of center, left of center. We had to be very specific. And we were hitting on about 60% of the plays that we were calling. And we're just football fans. Imagine what an NFL defensive coordinator is going to be prepared for and knows what's going on. So it was, they took a horrific step backwards and, Terry Robisky was the coordinator the year before, and all the progress that they had been making just was completely washed away, just regressed horrifically. And that's kind of what got Mike Malarkey fired at the end of the year because they made the playoffs. They beat the Chiefs in that miraculous comeback. They should have been blown out in the first half. They looked like they were well on their way to, but just everything fell on their laps the right way. In the second half, they wind up winning the game in Kansas City. Um Mike Malarkey, they start talking about a contract extension because his job was up in the air because they were regressing towards the end of the year. They started out really well, and then in December, they just started falling apart. All they had to do was win a game, and they were in the playoffs, and they didn't clinch that till the very last game of the season. So, you know, they beat Kansas City. They start going into contract extensions, but ownership wants a change in the offense, you know, the coordinators, because it just it wasn't working. It was bad. And he didn't want to change, and that's you know his his loyalty cost him his job. Yeah, and I remember that playoff game, uh, unbelievable. And that's what's great about the playoffs. Like, yeah, you, they they look dead in the water, yeah. and then uh, and I'm sure a lot of people turned the TV off and and found out later, uh oh, um, they, they pulled it out. That was incredible. And I remember the the speculation after you know they were eliminated about because I was just like, wow, are they going to fire a coach that made the playoffs? But like you said, to your point there, I think obviously there were some disturbing trends that they were noticing uh, towards the end of the season leading into the playoffs. And then the fact that they backed in, I think, uh, made the owners pull up pause and, and obviously eventually make that change. So well, their record I think is what did it is if you look at his 2016 numbers, 3,400 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 2017, 3,200 yards passing, 13 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. It just... I think that was the writing on the wall. And when he didn't want to make a change, I don't think ownership had a, a choice. And I normally don't side with firing somebody who just took your team to the playoffs. Right. That took a lot of balls. But I, I liked Mike Malarkey, but I think he had to go if you weren't going to make a change because the guy was sliding backwards. Right. No, definitely. And, and and they obviously want to not regress. I think I think with both Winston and Mariota, I think there's been critics of both of them and and I think a lot of it the word I hear is regression sometimes with both of them yeah. uh, that that there's a lot of talent there but they they don't seem to be taking that next step uh, to become elite uh, so I think that that criticism has been leveled at both of them whether it's valid or not I think you know some of the things that we've seen um, I think may validate that comment so in that season they were nine and seven as well right yeah nine seven um yeah, that was the year they went to the playoffs. They were nine and seven again this year, so it's three years in a row. But again, they don't make the playoffs, so because it was the winner get in against the Colts, and they got they they didn't get the win. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and 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 the you know Jameis Winston Buccaneer story of 2017 2018 is a is a is a shit show. So I mean, we've got uh, Jameis in 2017 injured um injured his shoulder so he missed three games there so that affected you know obviously he wasn't there so his numbers went down he went down to 35 even with that though he still threw for 3500 yards 19 touchdowns and 11 interceptions which was lower than the season before but he missed three games uh and the team was terrible 
Defensively, they were awful. Um, offensively, they were okay, but not good enough. And the the bugaboo of Dirk Cutter, which I think ended up costing him his job, eventually was the inability to win close games. Like the Buccaneers were in so many close games that they should have won. And not that you win every close game, but you got to win most of them if you're going to be a good football team. And they just did not. They found ways to lose. And it seemed like a new way every week. So, of course, 2017, 5 and 11. Uh, and that was coming off of them being on hard knocks. So, of course, off that 9 and 7 season, everybody's on cloud nine. And I think the Buccaneers became a victim of their own. They started believing their own press because some national people around the country picked them to be a sleeper playoff team. I mean, I, I was optimistic. You know, they were they were gathering offensive talent and the defense the season before under Mike Smith actually played really, really well to the point where they signed him to a lucrative extension because they were afraid he was going to leave and get a head coaching job again. So that defense. And, but when you look back now, it was really a five game stretch in the 2016 season that they played out of their minds. But from that point on, it's, it was a train wreck. So they went five and 11, 2017. And then of course, leading into this season, um, let's kind of get into that a little bit. I'll go with Winston first because you kind of talked about Mariota. So obviously the personal issues crept up for him again. So obviously the report came out that he allegedly grabbed an Uber driver in Arizona. Um, that incident occurred actually in 2016, but it, w- it was brought to light late 2017. And that resulted in an NFL investigation and him being suspended for the first three games. So I think a couple of things happened there. Obviously, I think that that threw the Buccaneers off. What happened, though, was, you know, which was great, was Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in and lights it up the first two games. Like they, they go to New Orleans, beat them in a shootout, then beat the Super Bowl champion Eagles in the second week. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is looking like Tom Brady all of a sudden. Um, and I think that threw kind of everybody out of kilter a little bit. But what it hid was the fact that the Bucks' defense this season was historically, and I'm not overstating it, historically awful, awful. Um, and once Winston came back, he was never right. Then he got the game in Cincinnati. He threw four picks, was benched. Fitzpatrick comes in, and then he becomes Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we all know from why he's been in seven different teams. You get two or three games, and then you get the real Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick, which is awful quarterback play. He's a great backup, but he's definitely not. And I wouldn't even put on level Nick Foles, who's playing out of his mind again in Philly, which I still can't understand that. He's just – that something there is working yeah. with Nick Foles. But um, so this season, obviously, another 5-11 and 11 season, and then Winston gets the boot. Now, with Mariota this season, um, I didn't watch too much Titans football. I know he was injured. Did he miss – he missed a couple of games again this year, right, with injury? Yeah, he got a nerve injury in Indianapolis when he got sacked 11 times. Uh-huh. So he had, yeah, it was a stinger that went all the way down from his neck into his hand, and he didn't have a lot of feeling in his hand for a week or two. And even then, when he came back, he had to play with the glove because he didn't have any sensation in his little and ring finger. Um, so he struggled with that pretty bad. Um, but then, you know, they had that really close game in London against the Chargers where they went for it at the end of the game to go for two rather than tying it up. Um, embarrassed Dallas when they came back on Monday night and yeah that game was fantastic yeah he was starting to come back looking comfortable he kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger again and then he just kept getting knocked around I mean the offensive line play was in the running game good top five passing game I think they were the 31st rated offensive line which is 
their inconsistency is mind-boggling. I mean, it's the same exact offensive line that was there in 2016 when DeMarco Murray was number three in the league in rushing. Um, they did switch to a new zone-blocking scheme. They had been a, a, a power-blocking scheme at that point up until then, so I know the interior struggled with it a little bit. I know their right tackle, Jack Conklin, tore his ACL in the playoff game against the Patriots the year before, so he was still kind of working his way back, but... The offensive line play was pretty bad, and it kept popping up in key points, and Mariota got hurt again at the end of the season and actually couldn't even play in the last game against the Colts because he got knocked out, I uh, believe it was against the Redskins. Yeah, the second-to-last game, he injured that same nerve again and was unable to play against the Colts in the season finale, which would have could have sent him to the playoffs. And relying on Blaine Gabbert, it's, it's kind of tough. I mean, when he came in, he filled in fairly well, but it's... He's Blaine Gabbert. He's not supposed to win a whole bunch of games for you. He's supposed to look good holding a clipboard. No, no, I hear you. That's a that's been a a a constant source of frustration. I know for for fans of Mariota and the Titans, it's just the and and I think the and I don't want to say the frequency of injuries because I I do think when I looked into it deeper because I think I was starting to think that maybe he's a little injury prone, but I think he's played more games than I even think he has. So I don't think he's been as injured as it seems to be. Yeah. Portrayed, so I think he, you know, so I think that's still a jury about whether he's injury prone or not. But looking at the career stats, uh, I, I pulled Mariota stats uh, to date. He's thrown for twelve thousand four yards, sixty nine touchdowns, and forty two interceptions. And Winston is thrown for fourteen thousand six hundred twenty eight yards, eighty eight touchdowns, and fifty eight interceptions. Uh, so as far as yards, they're right there next to each other. We're really close. Um, Winston's got um, nineteen more touchdowns, but Mariota's got 16 less interceptions, which I think boils down to, the, to comparing these two guys. I think it's 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 Winston has been a beneficiary of being in a more dynamic offense than I think Mariota has been in. Yep. And so that's limited his ability to, to stretch the field and throw more touchdowns. But he takes better care of the football, um, which I think is the comparison. Now, I want to get into the strengths and weaknesses and let's 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 be super critical of our quarterbacks here. What? Let's start with the weaknesses first. What does Mariota need to work on? What hasn't he progressed on that maybe at this point in his career he should be better at? That one is so hard um, because I've given this a lot of thought because you ask me about Mariota after they lose, and I'm thinking he's just he can't get it done. I love the guy. He's a fantastic role model, but it's just not working. Mm -hmm. But when you kind of separate yourself from it, this will because Tennessee just lost their offensive coordinator. He's now the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. So he will have five different offensive coordinators in five years. He's only had two years in the same system. Right. So and I think that is the biggest bugaboo for all these stud quarterbacks who come out of college who are successful and all these high expectations, and they never amount to much in the NFL, is look at the franchises they go to. There's just so much inconsistency within the organization and the coaching staff. And I mean, he's had three head coaches in five years. Four different offensive coordinators, going to get another one. It's He's never been able to get into a system because Ken Wisenhunt's system was night and day different than Mike Malarkey's and Terry Robisky's. Then you bring in Matt LaFleur, who had been the offensive coordinator from the Rams the year before when they were setting all these records. Even the whole run-blocking scheme completely changed for the team. So, you know, they struggled. They were wildly inconsistent at the beginning of the year, which you kind of expect. It's all brand new. And But towards the end of the year, they kind of figure out, oh, Derrick Henry can run like a beast and embarrass the Jacksonville Jaguars on a fairly regular basis. Maybe we should kind of go back to some of the more pounding in the play action. But 
they figured it out a little bit too late because they were that one win short. So, but and now they're like the Bucks. You're going through a whole another system, and you're developing all this the newness around them. They never have a chance to become a Tom Brady because they're changing coordinators every. 12 to 16 months. It's, I, I don't know if anybody can ever flourish in a situation like that. No, that's a valid point. And, and actually, James Winston doesn't really have that excuse because actually he's had the same offensive coordinator since he's been a, with Tampa Bay. Uh, because in Lovey Smith's first season, uh, or I take that back, his rookie season, he did not. Second season, Dirk Cutter came. So three of the four seasons that he's played, he's had Dirk Cutter. And this year, Dirk Carter turned over the play calling to Todd Munkin, who done a fa- did a fantastic job to the point now you see him getting three or four or five interviews that he's already taken. Uh, so I think he's either going to be an OC somewhere or he's going to be a head coach. And I think he's going to be a good one. I think offensively, he's talented as a coach. So Winston doesn't even have that same argument uh, that Mariota has about changing coordinators. I do think that's a huge factor. Um, what do you think in game, though, from game to game, if you can pick certain games – uh, this season for Mariota, what what did he do well, and what maybe are some challenges outside of the the the, the offense that he's running that that's uh, specific to him? What he does well is when he's on the move, he is so athletically gifted. He's he's faster than almost anybody on the defense, and he can he's got a cannon. He can get the ball in, and he's really accurate when he throws. And his play action percentage in you know, the completion percentage in the yards, it's astronomical. They just don't do it enough. His issue in the pockets um, is footwork. He gets a real narrow base. That was a big problem from college. So I know they spent a lot of time in camp leading up to this year of trying to give him a wider base so he would be a lot more accurate with his passes. He had a tendency to sail a lot of passes when his footwork went poor. And in the pocket, he you can still see him kind of reverting back to that a little bit, especially when, you know, being gun shy with all the, you know, we're talking nerve damage to the guy's throwing arm. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd just say fundamentals were the biggest problem when he was in the pocket. But you get him out of the pocket when he can just play? I think the kid was phenomenal. Right. Now, it, it has the philosophy with him, because I know sometimes with, with quarterbacks, and, and I hate to call Mariota a running quarterback because I don't think that's what he is, even though he has the ability to do it. Um, I think a lot of coaches would rather not have him do that, not because he's not great at it, but because that increases the chance for injury. Yeah. So I think I would imagine they were trying to make him a better pocket passer, um, not take away the ability to run and to throw the ball down the field, but to, to do it from the pocket as opposed to running around. Has that been the case or have they been having they embraced the fact that he is good at doing that? Well, under Malarkey, they did a lot more of the uh, the zone read offense where you could see him every couple of games take off and break off some really big runs. Um, on designed runs under Vrabel, I maybe a handful of times they actually ran it. It was it seemed like a conscious effort to not put him in those kind of situations. They did some more of the run pass option plays, mm-hmm. but I don't I can't remember seeing a zone read, which is you know I get it his with his injury history it's it's never been bad, but I know he's been played he plays a lot beat up because he just was constantly beat up. So I think a lot of that may have had to just do with the offensive line play. It was just so inconsistent. I mean, and they were, I mean, second game of the year, they played without their starting three left, three offensive tackles. All three of them were down. So it's, they got hit by injuries throughout the whole team the whole year. So it was, this was a hard year to judge on was he making progress or not. I know Corey Davis, their receiver, 
had a much better year this year. I mean, he went from invisible last year to very much a game changer when they would actually put the ball in the air. Yeah, and let me get into Winston. So let's start with his weaknesses. Uh, there's some glaring ones. Um, look, I'm going to go off the field first. So obviously his 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 um, issues at Florida State are well known. Obviously the crab legs incident, the yelling the profanity on the table, the the, the sexual assault uh, case that was brought against him that was ultimately dismissed. Um, obviously he's had issues in college he was able to successfully compartmentalize that stuff i think it didn't really affect his on the field play um and i think that's what attracted a lot of teams to him because they're like he struggles but it looks like he doesn't let it affect him and then it seemed like um i know when he was drafted and until this issue came up this past season he was basically a model citizen you know in the community he made a concerted effort to make sure that he was accessible he didn't get in any trouble whatsoever until this popped up um, so that made me optimistic that, okay, maybe it was an immature kid, uh, that's growing up and takes being an NFL quarterback seriously. So I was very optimistic. And obviously this comes out. I mean, the, a couple things I'll say about it is, uh, I think he absolutely did it. I think he was intoxicated when he did it. Um, and there's no excuse for it. And the suspension was warranted. What I will say though, is the only thing that at least gives me some optimism about how he's acting going forward is that this incident did happen two years ago. Didn't happen last week. It didn't happen a month ago. It happened two years ago. Still unacceptable. He was in the NFL when it happened. Still unacceptable. Uh, but I think, and I'm hopeful he's in a different place in his life now. He's married. He has a child now. So my hope would be that it would be a situation that this was, is going to be the last thing, but you never know. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not, he's not earned the credibility or the benefit of the doubt from a lot of people. And a lot of people are done. And I'm talking about people in Tampa. I'm not even talking about people outside of Tampa are done with them. Don't like him and don't want him to be the quarterback. And I completely understand that. I do. I completely understand people saying I'm done with this guy. Um, I'm not done with him yet. I think I would classify myself as almost done, but not done. Uh, because I do think what I did see this season, and this is the frustrating thing about Jameis Winston, uh, the turnovers have got to come down. Like, I understand that quarterbacks throw interceptions. No quarterback's going to have zero. But the interception, every interception is different. The interceptions that he throws are terrible. I'm not talking about throwing an interception at the end of the half because you're throwing a Hail Mary to see if you can score. That really doesn't affect the game. I'm talking about red zone interceptions. You're driving. Your offense is clicking between the 20s. You get inside the 20, and you throw a pick. That, you, that can't happen. That cannot happen. If you expect to play any kind of winning football, but the flip side of that is he'll make some incredible throws that makes you remember why he was the number one pick. Like he makes throws that are ridiculous. Like I'm like, I can't believe you just made that throw. And I see it a lot, but it's overshadowed by the horrible, horrible interceptions. And the other issue he had is with Deshaun Jackson. issue. Now Deshaun Jackson, not my favorite person right now, but he, for some reason, he had an inability to hit Deshaun Jackson long. Ryan Fitzpatrick had no problem doing it, <laughs> but apparently Jameis Winston does. So he, there's mechanics problems with him, too. Um, he gets out of the pocket when he's most, the most dangerous is when he creates. But the problem is he thinks he could, he knows he can do it, but he doesn't know when not to do it. And he doesn't, he still, he still hasn't learned the live to see another play. He got better at it the last four games of this season. I think he made a concerted effort. His turnovers went way down. 
but he still tries to make that. He thinks he can make every throw. And the, the tricky thing with a quarterback like that, he kind of reminds me of Brett Favre. He, you don't want to coach that out of him because that's part of what makes him great. But you want to corral him a little bit to where he's not doing that. And that's a tough thing to do. And I think if he doesn't get that corrected, he, he'll just be a journeyman quarterback. He'll play in this league for a long time, but he'll just be a journeyman quarterback. He'll bounce around. He'll be a backup or he'll start for teams that are not very good. If he can get it corrected, I still honestly believe that he can be – he's not going to be Drew Brees or Tom Brady or 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 Phillip Rivers, but I think he can be a Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan type of very good quarterback that could lead your team into the playoffs. I do still believe that's possible. Will it happen? I don't know, but I do believe it's possible. Yeah, to, to your point, those red zone passes, I mean – you can go too far the other way because Marcus Mariota threw his first red zone interception this year. So in four years, he has won. But I think especially Mike Malarkey drilled into him to not make mistakes. And you could tell sometimes he throws cautious to you, you can see him aiming the ball to just try not to make a mistake because it was always, you know, keep the game close. We've got a good defense, especially this year. Defense was phenomenal. But you, you sometimes you just got to take the chances downfield and loosen up a defense. Um, yeah, I, I think if you kind of combined our two quarterbacks, you'd probably have the perfect one. No. And that's the thing. And that's funny too, because yeah, you're right. He's it's, it's the perfect quarter. It's the perfect quarterback. You're right. It's the gunslinger mentality tempered with, with smart playing. And, and I think James, and that's the thing about James Winston. That's frustrating because it's the thing about him. When I talk about him with other people, he teases you just enough to not want to get rid of him. Like he, he gives you just enough talent, just enough dynamic, explosive plays to go. I don't want to give up on him just yet. He's make he's making me mad and he makes these stupid interceptions, but he's, but then I see these spectacular plays and it just, it's a tease. And, you know, obviously now with, uh, with Bruce Arians about to come aboard, uh, I'm ecstatic by that hire. I think I think he is the perfect coach for Jameis Winston right now because now he's got one more season to prove what he's going to be. And I do want to get into going into the future. Before I go that, give me your assessment of Mike Vrabel's first season as a coach. I, I liked him as a hire because I liked his mindset and his personality. I loved how he coached because even though he's sort of that old school tough guy football – how many coaches do you see going for a two-point conversion rather than tying it up when you've been behind the whole game? And obviously, momentum's on your side. In that London game, I hated that they didn't. I love the I love the chance, choice that he went for the two-point conversion. I just hated the play call because I thought it was a stupid play call. But I loved his mindset, and the players bought into him instantly. I mean, he's following everything online. He's out there. He's got like the umpires chest protector because he's out there working with the linebackers and the defensive ends working sweating punching it's i love him as a coach it'll be very telling to see who does he bring as the new offensive coordinator because part of you wants them to bring somebody up from within to run the same system to give mariota and the offense a chance to have some continuity but the other part of me is like okay it, it wasn't it was so inconsistent can this team even function this way? Because your whole center of your offensive line, they're not zone blockers. They're drive blocking offensive linemen. And it's a big difference. It sounds simple, but it's just not. So, uh, yeah, but variable I love. I think he's fantastic. He came into a, a, the worst situation. I mean, a playoff team that had won, and you're the new coach. That's 
that's almost impossible to step into. It was almost like Josh Heupel for UCF. But, um, yeah, I love the guy. Do you think he's? Do you think he's going to go? And I, I have no idea. Do you think with Lafleur getting that job, is he going to? Do you think someone internal is going to get promoted, or is he going to look outside? Uh, it's the, I, I honestly have no idea because with John Robinson, I love him as a GM. You don't know what he's doing, and he's got so many ties to the Patriots and to the Bucks. You mentioned the quarterback coach from the Bucks. You know the play card. What was his name again? Um, Monken. Todd Monken. Yeah, Todd Monken. Yeah, I would not hate it if he wants to make a trip to Nashville. It's a beautiful place to live, from what I hear. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I don't know which way to go. It's, do you promote from within? Because if you do, it's Pat O'Hara, the quarterback coach, who's never been an offensive coordinator. Pat, you know, he, he was, he led the Predators to some really good seasons in the Arena Football League, but he's not been an. Yeah, that's right. That. That's right. So um, I don't know if he can do it. It's. It's tough. I mean, we almost lost our defensive coordinator. Dean Pease was thinking about retiring. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Again, almost asked to do almost to the impossible. Um, I mean, replaced a Hall of Famer with a defensive coordinator. So it's I, – I, I hate to be Switzerland and so on the fence on this one, but I don't know what they should do on this one. It's, no, and that's tough. I get that too. Yeah, it's it's funny too because even with the with the coaching search for the Bucks, it's funny you say about not knowing what to do. Even though Bruce Arians was clearly the front runner, I, I, I always assumed, look, if he doesn't take the job or they go another direction, who do you who do you pick? I mean, they interviewed Bieniemy, they interviewed Richard from Dallas, they interviewed um, the Vikings defensive coordinator Flores. You know, it's it's I, I do. And, and as I get older, I get more sympathetic to the situation of a GM, not that sympathetic. They get a lot of money to make these decisions, but they're tough decisions to make because everybody's yeah. like, well, just find the next just find the next Sean McVay. Just find the next uh, uh, Frank Reich. It's they're all right there. It's like, man, it's not that easy. No, and, and Frank Reich's he's a perfect example because coming out of the Eagles, everybody wanted DiFilippo. He was the can't miss guy. He was supposed to possibly go from a quarterback coach to a head coach. He was that good. Didn't even make it the full season with the Vikings. And Frank Reich, the afterthought, the guy's like, oh, shit, there's nobody else. I guess we'll give it to Frank. Look what he does with the Colts. I mean, the Colts were supposed to be terrible this year. And now. Yep. Well, the thing, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, and it kills me to well, say look, that. Well, look, well, look, and I should have known the Colts are going to be better. I actually kind of underestimated them. Look, first of all, they drafted Quentin Nelson, who's a beast. Um, they shored up that offensive line, and Andrew Luck is finally healthy. Because Andrew Luck, to me, is one of those quarterbacks that are kind of shockingly underrated. He got kind of the rap of throwing a lot of interceptions, but basically the first three years of his career, he was running for his life. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to throw a lot of interceptions. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I expected the offense to start coming back, but the defense, the job they did. I mean, I can name two guys on the defense, and because one of them played at UCF. Other than that, it's like, who the hell are these guys? How are they doing? You know, ten and one to end the season. Are you kidding me? The Colts? They were pathetic last year. Believable, unbelievable. So yeah, it's you know, here I thought, oh, Tennessee, if they can take care of the Texans, we're good to go. But no. Here comes Indianapolis screwing things up again because it wasn't long enough with Peyton Manning. Sons of. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. Look, that's the look. I'm the doormat of my division. I, I feel your pain, man. Yeah. At least your team goes nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's all perspective because 
that's not good enough. You want playoffs. I get it. So I just want my team to win more than seven games. That would make me extremely happy. Uh, but like I said, the future for I think for for Winston is next year. This and that's why I think the Arians hire is a good hire. Uh, I would love for the the Bucks to have found maybe that next Sean McVay or a young coach that could spend 15 years with the Bucks and build them into something powerful. But I think the ownership and I think uh, they feel that we've got enough talent, at least offensively, to bring in a coach here. And we need to find out what. And I agree, they need to find out what they have in Jameis Winston. They need to find out. So, and Bruce Arians is a dynamic offensive play caller. And, and the thing that I love about that, he's bringing Todd Bowles with him to be the defensive coordinator, which is fantastic. Yep. Uh, I, I know his, his Jets tenure was, was, was not very good, but he's an outstanding defensive coordinator. Yeah, so, so, so we basically get two head coaches. Yeah. So, and I think they're probably going to change to a three, four defense. So I don't, I mean, that's going to affect some players like McCoy, um, even though JPP, Thank God that's the one great move they made on defense. He had a monster year. That dude is a, is a man. He plays hard. He has a high motor. He never leaves the field. He plays hurt, and he ended up with 12 sacks this year. He was he could, he was better than advertised, uh, so I'm glad the Giants let him go. But uh, I think for the future with Arians there, look, this is, this is make or break for Jameis Winston. Um, I think uh, he is going to have to show – the Buccaneers are showing the rest of the league that he is going to be a franchise quarterback. And this is, and believe me, I hope that he is because if he's not, then we're going to be again, looking for another quarterback. And I still think they're going to draft the quarterback in this draft anyway. And I think they should, uh, they need to do some, some super scouting for this. And I know this is not going to be a quarterback heavy draft, but if you have somebody there that you even think has some potential that you can co- especially coaching under Bruce Arians, they need to get a quarterback. If for nothing else to, 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 Keep the pressure on Jameis, or if Jameis ain't the guy, you have somebody that you can try to get in there. Yeah, agreed. Um, and what do you, yeah, and what do you think the future is going to hold? I mean, uh, for for Mariota next season, and what do you think his long term prospects are? Do you think he's going to be the quarterback for the Titans for the next ten years? Barring injury that affects his health long term, I think he will. I think I think Vrabel really likes him. I think. He's just waiting for him to make that next step. I know ownership loves Mariota. It's hard not to love the guy because he is such a good guy. His teammates absolutely love and adore him. You don't see a whole lot of quarterbacks who will lead block for a back on sort of a busted play, and he does it on a pretty regular basis. Maybe not the best longevity move for his career, but that's just the kind of guy he is. So it's he's quiet, but he's just that, that guy. You He doesn't have to say anything. He's a leader just through his actions and his work. So... For that part, the franchise loves him if he can stay healthy. And if they can just get some continuity, I think they're all on board the bandwagon. And I think it makes it a lot easier where they're drafting high enough where they're not going to get a whole lot of really good prospects dipping down to them. And it's just not worth the draft capital to move up to go get one. So to me, that's why this new offensive coordinator, it's it's so vital. You've got to really nail this one to bring everything out it's you know I've, I've heard the offensive coordinator for the bears mark helfrich mentioned he was his head coach his last two years at oregon i think that might be a best case scenario for the guy you know he knows him he knows what he can do he's running i mean look what he did with mitchell trubisky it's and i know matt nagy the head coach had so much to do with that especially with him calling the plays but i think you need a guy who truly understands him and can get the best out of him because I don't think they've even scratched the surface on what his potential could be for the NFL. Because 
I, I don't understand Jared Goff. To me, he's doing well, but I don't know how. I think Sean McVay is, McVay is a genius because I'm just not on the Jared Goff bandwagon. I do. I, mean, I am on the Carson Wentz bandwagon, but I see Marcus Merida and Jameis Winston both significantly better than Jared Goff. And if Jared Goff can be doing this, my God, our quarterbacks should be have no problem doing this. You just got to get their right system. No, I think that's a good point. And uh, I'll ask you this, and then I'll answer it for the other quarterback. What do you think, since you already answered for Mariota, what do you think? Do you think Jameis Winston will be the quarterback for the Bucks the next 10 years? No. Um, because I see, like you were bringing up with Bruce Arians, this is not a 15-year head coach hire. This is what do we have right now. It's If Bruce Arians coaches five years, I'll be surprised. So if Winston's going to go under – Will he survive a fourth coach? I, God, who? What quarterback has survived that many coaches? You know, at one franchise, I just find it very hard to believe him being there. And I think it's just going to be, like you said, is the good going to outweigh the bad? And it's the critical times he he makes the mistakes is. And it's not just the mistakes. I don't mind the gunslinger mentality, but there's times he's just been sulking. And you just can't be that. You know, you can't be aloof and like, oh, I don't. You can't do Jay Cutler, but you can't just throw a hissy fit either. It's. I don't know if he's at this point. I'm not sure he's ever going to be mature enough mentally to be the stud he was born to be as an NFL quarterback. No, and I think uh, I do agree that yeah, this is a one-year trial, and I do think, uh, and which is ironic too, because his personality is outgoing. But I, I think he's had a challenging season, a lot of it of his own doing. So yeah. there's not going to be any sympathy from me, but I do think that it's, it's thrown him off. So he, one of two things are going to happen. We're going to find out what he's made of. He's either going to let that derail his career or he's going to nut it up. And with a new coach that is not afraid to play a dynamic offense, he's going to get it. So one of those two things are going to happen. So yeah, to your point, and I'm with you, I, I, it's a 50, 50 shot for me. Um, I, I'll still keep it at a coin flip. Um, if either thing happens, I won't be surprised. If he plays really well and, and, and moves to the next level, I wouldn't be shocked. If he flames out, I wouldn't be shocked either. Yeah, I mean, he could be Pro Bowl next year. He could be cut. I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's got to be absolutely just driving the whole management staff in Tampa Bay just absolutely bonkers. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that, that, that's why they get the big money because that's that's like I said, he gives you just enough to to, to not go. Okay, we're just get, we're just going to cut our ties with him. They just because they're like because of the, what they don't want to see, and you shouldn't judge based on fear. But I do think there's a, an underlying fear. We let this guy go, and he goes to the right team and the right coach. And to your point about Jared Goff, he becomes the next Jared Goff. You know, lighting it up, and then everybody in Tampa is going, "Where the hell was that guy in Tampa?" And I think they're afraid of that. I do think I think they're afraid of it. And I understand it. I get it. I mean, think about it. It's Drew Brees is the perfect example. Doing well in San Diego, gets hurt. They replace him. I, I love Philip Rivers. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks. He might even yeah. be my – I mean, he and Marcus Merida are just one and one A. Love Philip Rivers. But, God, do you, do you ever wonder – the San Diego Chargers got to be – well, I'm still going to call him San Diego because I just don't 
want them to be <laughs> yeah. in Los Angeles. I'm still not used to it. Yeah, I'm not, still not used to it. I see LAC. I'm like, what? I almost didn't know what it I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, that's right. They're in LA now. Why are they talking about the Clippers on an NFL score? I don't, yeah. Um, but you, you wonder is, do the folks in the Chargers organization think, Philip Rivers is great, but my God, Drew Brees. I, mean, he's, I think he's just that little bit better. I mean, it's, and he got the Super Bowl. It's, whew. I think yeah, that's the Drew thing. Brees with somebody a little too soon. Yeah. Yeah. And Drew Brees and speaking of, and I know it's not a Drew Brees, but let me tell you, Drew Brees is one of my favorite quarterbacks. I, I tell you, yeah. I, I am, first of all, there's two underrated quarterbacks in the league to me right now, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. Yeah. I think because Drew Brees has been so good for so long. And I think he's just never been, he's never been talked about. Because if people say, oh, Tom Brady, and they even say Philip Rivers sometimes, Tom Brady, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the, the top three that you always hear about. And I'm like, where the hell is Drew Brees? Yeah. Like he resurrected a dead franchise. Yeah. Like just that alone is, is but he's – I watch him play. He is unbelievable to watch. Mm-hmm. Like like that's, that's where I would say I would go spend money to watch him play. And and Russell Wilson and and Russell Wilson, the disrespect. I'm sorry. I'm on a Russell Wilson crusade because the he gets absolutely disrespected as a as a quarterback and as a person. The Seattle Seahawks would be nothing without Russell Wilson. And I'm including the year that they had that great defense and went to the Super Bowl. They wouldn't have gone anywhere without Russell Wilson. They would have gotten to the playoffs with that defense. They wouldn't have won a Super Bowl. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They're, yeah, absolutely not. And to Pete Carroll's credit, they signed, because if you remember, remember they signed Matt Flynn to that huge free agent deal the same year they drafted Russell Wilson? And I think literally, I think literally Pete Carroll, and I don't even think I'm exaggerating, after the first two to three practices said, we're going with Russell Wilson. Yeah. It was that obvious. It's like, if they had just signed Matt Flynn to a crap ton of money, and to their credit, they're like, I don't care. He's not the better quarterback. <laughs> that was an oops. Yep. Yeah. They, to their credit, they're like, you know what? We'll eat that money. And that was the best decision they ever made. So, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, nowadays in the NFL, even more, not that it's always hasn't been important, but even nowadays, it, it, you're, you're either a team with a franchise quarterback or you're a team looking for a franchise quarterback. Those are the two classifications now. Um, and if you're looking for one, that means you're probably mediocre to really bad. And, you know, in the case of the Titans, uh, Mariota's done some fantastic things, had some struggles, had some injury issues that has caused him to miss games, has had multiple coaches and multiple coordinators. So that's kind of maybe stifled his growth a little bit. But still, even with that, it's a tribute that they were he's only had one losing season. Uh, James Winston, on the other hand, comes in, you know, six and ten, nine and seven. He's only had one winning season since he's been there. So to your point. The the chances of who's going to stay at their team longer, I, I it's hard to me, for me to argue that Winston's got a better chance than Mariota based on what's happened so far. I would agree with that for the exact reasons. It's Mariota's not putting up gaudy numbers. They've never had an offense designed to do that, but yet he's he's won. And it's I don't care if you win by one or a hundred. It's that's the job. So absolutely win. That's it. Ugly, pretty. Just win, baby. Yeah, Hal Davis. Awesome. Well, cool. It was cool to talk about this, man. I've always, I know we've kind of always had 
small conversations about this, but I thought this year was a perfect time to do it because uh, I think they're both at a turning point yeah. in their careers um, to see, even though I think Mariota's had the better career as far as winning success. Uh, I still think he's at a crossroads to see if he's going to ascend to where we are talking about, wow, Mariota is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I think he still has that growth to go yeah. and, and, and we'll see what happens there. And then obviously Winston's at a, at a crossroads as well. I think a more, um, perilous crossroads to see where his career is going to go. Uh, so yeah, definitely do that. So tell everybody where they can listen to your podcast and uh, where to find you guys. Yeah, I'm on the Sports Car Unleashed podcast. Uh, iTunes is where we have most everything. All the shows back from day one when we used to be called Grand Am Unleashed, they're all on iTunes. We also post them each time we do a show on our Facebook page, which is just Sports Car Unleashed. And if you like sports car racing and like listening to people babble on about it to each other because our wives don't want to hear it. It's uh, it's a good listen. It's me and a friend who've been sports car racing fans since we were little kids. He lives up in Massachusetts, and we have one of the series championships in one of the production-based classes. He's uh, he's on the show every week with us as well. So we you get fans' perspective, and you definitely get the driver's insight to it as well. So we don't worry so much about news. We just kind of review and talk about something that we've all been a fan of Collectively, each of us has been in love with the sport for over 30 years, so we do like to pretend we kind of know what we're talking about. And every year we bring in a driver's team owner, somebody within the series to talk to us, and it's we have a lot of fun. But yeah, iTunes and Facebook is our and on uh, and, uh, and Twitter. We also post the shows through the, our Twitter page, which is again Sports Car Unleashed. Perfect. And uh, if you have any interest in sports cars, anybody that's listening to this show, I definitely highly recommend it. These guys have. Uh, they're the true independent podcasters. They started it for a love, a common love of a, of a certain type of racing and through their hard work and, and diligence, they've been able to really get some access that a lot of other people wouldn't get. Essentially they get press access to these events. So if you're definitely interested in that, check them out. They've, they've earned, uh, that access by their hard work and, and their diligence and their passion for it. So I would definitely recommend that you listen to it. Uh, so Again, Chad, thanks for coming on. This is going to be probably episode 20, so I thought it was appropriate since you were on episode one. Uh, I'm circling to 20, uh, have you on. So definitely may have you on like in the 50 mark, the 100 mark. I think it's going to have to make this a – you're going to have to be my go-to. You're going to be my, my Bill Murray to David Letterman. You're Any, the go-to guy when I uh, – yeah. Anytime, man. I love being on. And, again, thanks for having me back on again. It was fun. I was – last thing I wanted to do for a while was talk about football, but you got me over it real quick, and it's uh, – I, I don't hate the game again after the way the well, season ends. <laughs> well, look, this is the thing about football, especially with our two teams. Uh, and that's it's funny because it's like, thank God you don't like the Patriots or another team that always wins. So we probably, I'd probably be the bitter one and you'd be the happy one. But I think our teams have really had ups and downs in common. And I think we always have that same thing every year. You know, we're, we're bitter at the end of the season and then training camp rolls around and we're wholly optimistic again that it's going to be a better season. So, and we just have that hope every single season. And then when it's great, it's great. And when it's terrible, it's terrible. But we move on because we love football. Absolutely. And once we can get past the highlight of being the draft of every year, I think things will be open <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I definitely am looking forward to being drafting at the bottom of the first round. I'll be okay with that. <laughs> I miss what that's like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Frank. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on any of the following podcasting apps. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or CastBox. You can subscribe to the show's YouTube channel under Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. 
Follow the show on Twitter. The handle is at BendYourEarPod. That is also the handle for Instagram. If you have any questions or comments, you can email the show. The email address is BendYourEarPodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. If you listen to the show on a different platform but have iTunes, please rate and review the show there. This will help raise the profile of the show in search results. If you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please share it on your social media. Again, thank you for listening and take care.